You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 189. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 189. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Oh, babe. Hey, love. <laughs> I'm already laughing. I know. That's how we do. It was really funny this morning when we were like, no, we're going to be apart all day today. I know. And you're like, but we have the podcast. <laughs> we have the podcast we're recording. We got pod time. So, selfishly, I'm really excited to hang out with you. I'm excited to hang out with you, too. And I hope everybody <clears throat> out there is having an amazing new year so far. We've got a fabulous topic for you today. That I don't know anything about. Nothing. And it's... Completely naive to the subject. Right? In fact, when I told Mr. Smith the topic, he was like, oh, hmm, sounds familiar. <laughs> you gotta know somebody just like that. So we're talking about combating all or nothing thinking. So this yeah. is going to be extremely prevalent for all of the recovering perfectionists out there. So we're going to talk about how that infuses this perfectionist mindset that we kind of use to operate inside of our life and create what I like to call self-inflicted rules and what we can really do about that. So of course I've got, you know, some concepts for you to think about and then a step-by-step process to actually catch yourself because you know I love that teaching, baby. You know, you love I, it. I love a step-by-step, baby. <laughs> so, but by numbers. And Mr. Smith's phone was going cray, and he's like, just let me out my would you rather. Like, oh my gosh, my phone has a mind of its own right now. <laughs> so <clears throat> It's definitely time for new phones. It's time for new phones, but fortunately, you were able to access, and I think it's time for... Would you rather... Yes, I was able to access it. And today's would you rather is... Would you rather... Live in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. Okay. In Alaska, like somewhere in the in the middle of nowhere in Alaska, or on a deserted island. Um. And so it's totally deserted. There's not like going to be like something that comes to kill me. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> kill there me. could be a grizzly bear in Alaska. Um, or is there grizzly bears in Alaska? I forget. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they have grizzly bears. We should probably dial an expert. <laughs> oh, wait. That segment doesn't exist yet. We don't have that segment. But that might be coming up <laughs> in 2017. We've got some fun pod stuff that's going to be happening in the spring. So stay tuned for that. Ooh. But, okay. Let me think. Would I... Basically, uh, would you rather live out in the middle of nowhere on, you know... In icy terrain? Yeah. In, like, cold climate, I think I'd go... Gosh. Or in tropical climate. I kind of like the cold, but... I, I think I would probably pick, but then <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But then if you're on this, the turmoil. The I, how big is the island? You know, because I might not have as much natural resources. <laughs> you may not. <laughs> I think I'd go for the island. How about you? 
Well, I grew up kind of in cabins and mountainous mountainous terrain. terrain. So I think I would like to do something different. Okay. I think I, I mean, I know how to survive in those kinds of climates, but I would rather tough it out on that sandy beach, man. Well, I keep thinking about the, what is that movie with Wilson and Wilson that's the... Oh, yeah. And Tom uh, Hanks surf, oh, uh, stranded or... God, the name everyone of that movie? knows it right now. Oh. They're just screaming it at me. <laughs> it's not Survivor. It's... Oh, my God. Oh, shit. It, uh... Castaway. Castaway. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. So what was your point? Um... <laughs> That's a great question. All right, moving. That's, awesome. that's, 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 that's enough of that. That's enough. That's enough of that segment. Let's talk about where that went. Shit, combating an all-or-nothing thought process. Now, before before I go any further, I do have a really fucking exciting announcement. You do. I have a very exciting announcement. So, you you guys might remember that a few months ago in early December-ish. My best friend and I were talking about a self-love retreat that we were doing. We had an early bird. It came and went. The price increased by $250. Well, we decided that because we announced it in December and everybody is obviously involved in holidays and lots of spending (coughs) and shopping and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. that it might not have been the most apt time to be like, yeah, let me spend this money on myself and my personal growth. So we thought, how about we roll back the price? Rolling back prices. <laughs> roll it Walmart? roll it back to the original early bird price. Extend it now <clears throat> during February. Oh. So that now that we've kind of recovered from the holidays a little bit more and we're in that mindset of creating brand new realities for our 2017 whether it's in health or spirituality or growth or relationships it might be more on people's mind and it might make more sense for people financially so you can still get in there's still spots available and you can do a payment plan option and it's back to the early bird price plus it's loaded up with bonuses because we won't be going on the actual (laughs) retreat until may so we wanted to make sure that you had a bunch of stuff that you could listen to and engage with now so that you could kind of take the momentum of the new year that you have and continue on kind of your personal growth and be all fired up ready for May. Self-love rewind. Yeah, it is. So we're we're going to be taking our master course curriculum that's all about self-love. It's four fundamental elements of self-love that we talk about. So we deal with kind of your inner conversation and inner kindness. We talk about self-worth and enoughness. We also do forgiveness, like how to actually forgive yourself for your past mistakes or, oh, that marriage I fucked up or that job I never got or whatever it is. And then finally, we'll discuss emotions and how we tend to run away from those through various behaviors like overworking or things like that. So, and we're going to be doing it all in a gorgeous boutique hotel in Asheville, North Carolina. It is breathtaking. It's like hipsters total jealousy because mm. it's gorge. It is so incredible. Nice. So, and you know, it's we're going to be be there with 20 women. We're not taking any more than 20. We're keeping it extremely intimate and 
will have different activities. All your food and lodging and shelter. Shelter. (laughs) All your food and lodging. Your lean to. (laughs) Your lean to. We'll bring you a Wilson. (laughs) That'll be your roommate. We can't crack ourselves up. Uh, Yeah, all of that's taken care of. Even. We will even give you a ride from the airport to the hotel. All you have to do is get yourself to Stylish. Asheville, North Carolina. And there may be a, a treat or two, an additional treat or two we've got up our sleeves. But it really is about a solid study and weekend immersion on all of the things that catapult self-love. So when you walk away from our time together, you'll have clarity on the steps to get you there, tools and techniques on how to better your relationships with others, systematic ways to create better and more empowering self-talk instead of listening to that shit talker that I'm always talking about. We don't need that. And ways to deal with your emotions so you're not offloading them on someone else like your spouse, you know, taking it out on them. We appreciate that. Or burying yourself in work or food or whatever else it might be. So if you're interested, you can find out everything that you need to know over at theselfloverevolution.com. But please know, and I'll also put the link in the show notes page for this episode, which is thejoyjunkie.com slash 189. Please know that the early bird is only going to be available for two weeks and it starts today. If you're listening the day this episode airs. It's February 6th. It is open now only for a two-week span of time. Maybe not even two weeks. I'm not sure. You'll have to check on the page. But if you're interested, we'd be, we would be most honored to have you. So let's jump in. And you can't go, baby. I'm sorry. It's only, it's only women. I'm going to go anyway. Oh, right. Here we go. I'm going to show up. No. No. <laughs> All right. (laughs) I don't fit in luggage, but I will be there. You would not fit in any kind of luggage. We would have to send you via freight. Freight? (laughs) I'm a freight not, Mr. Smith. Oh, Oh. there you go. Okay, so combating an all-or-nothing thought process. This is extremely pervasive amongst people who would self-identify as being a perfectionist or needing things to look a very specific way or that how something needs to be done is extremely important. And like we kind of were joking about earlier, I know this place all too well. Yeah. And it has a lot to do with control. It has a lot to do with what we have made up in our mind constitutes success or constitutes excellence. And so we put a tremendous amount of pressure on ourselves to accomplish or do or succeed at specific things in a very, very specific way. So that's what we're going to talk about a lot. And so I want you to think about this. First of all, if you identify as a perfectionist, I need you to stop doing that. I need you to say... (laughs) Stop that right now. Stop that right now. I need you to say I am a recovering perfectionist. Or I am working on relinquishing my people or my uh, perfectionist tendencies. Something like that. I am altering my relationship with perfectionism. I need you to not continue to nurture I am a perfectionist because you will continue to foster that reality. So if you're trying to change that, you have got to stop identifying in that way. 
So here's a couple of ways that it shows up. And it's typically one of these types of phrases. I'm all or nothing. I feel like it's do or die. I feel like it's kind of black and white. That's a lot of how we approach, if this is you, you tend to approach tasks, uh, accomplishments, goals, things that you're going after as all or nothing, it's black or white, it's do or die sort of thing. So it's essentially that there are two extremes about how something must be done. So for example, it's not always just that you need to throw an amazing party. It is all the rules that you have created in your own mind about what and how a perfect party needs to be executed. So you've got, do you know what I mean? Like it's all of these criteria that you have said, okay, we need all of these handmade gifts for the, for prize winnings. We need to hand and or home make all of the food, all of the cakes, all of the pastries need to be decorated flawlessly. So it is this idea about how the task needs to be done. So Again, I'm giving you lots of examples from my own life. That was a huge one. We used to throw all of these parties, and it wasn't necessarily about actually throwing the party. It was how it had to be executed. Yes. The how was all or nothing. If it wasn't to the nines, I wanted nothing to do with it. Then (laughs) we cannot have the party, right? It's such an extreme of what needs to happen in order for you to go after something. I hear this all the time, and this has absolutely been myself until I started dealing with so much injury in my knees. But around fitness, it was, if I don't work out five days a week for an hour each time, I might as well not work out at all the whole week. It was so extreme. So the bar is set so incredibly high that because we're human and it's hard to actually attain that flawless set of criteria, we either throw in the towel because it feels too daunting or we do accomplish it and we are stressed the fuck out. Remember when I used to, we used to throw parties? Oh yeah, you would stress yourself out completely. The moment right before everybody would get there, I would be the biggest bitch to you. Well, not only that, but it, it would be hard to help you with anything because everything had to be done your way. That's right. And even if you told me how to do it, it still wasn't you doing it. And it wasn't the right way. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. And so that's a really great thing that I've started to learn how to decipher. All of this criterion that falls under that goal or under that task, like let's say it's throwing the party, all of the things that I've said, okay, I have to make this, I have to do that, I've started to question all the criteria. Like, well, what if I actually had it catered instead of feeling like I had to make everything from scratch myself? What if I delegated and had somebody bring a cake instead of feeling like I had to use all my cake decorating equipment and decorate each and every fucking cupcake. Not that you don't enjoy that. Not that I don't enjoy it, but there's a point where it costs me more to hold on so tightly to how it has to be done. You don't enjoy yourself. That's exactly right. Or I 
have to drink until I can like let go of all the pre-party stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that amp up time right before, and if you're a high achieving, recovering perfectionist, recovering perfectionist, you can probably relate to this. That right up until the culmination of the actual project you turn in, the business you launch, the whatever it is that you're throwing yourself into, is stressed out like that whole period is usually not euphoric and fun not comfortable yeah right because you're holding on so tightly to the how it must be done so i mean it could be even really simple things i've noticed like how laundry has to be done how housework has to be done how a class for me, how a class must be run. Like I have to have this certain graphic in the Facebook group. You know, just really silly things that would not really ever affect the overall efficacy or productivity of the project or the class. It doesn't really make a bit of fucking difference. It's just my set of criteria. So I want you to just start looking at Do you have that tendency where you're like, well, if I can't do it this way, I'm not doing it at all. Or the only way for my kids to be dressed up for Halloween has to look like this. And I have to kill myself making these costumes from scratch. Or the only... Do you know what I mean? So start thinking about that. Are there those categories for you where you are kind of an all or nothing, do or die? I see it a lot, like I said, in fitness or diet. It's either you are like a diehard, raw vegan or you just eat whatever the fuck you want you know so do you have those extremes in in your life because what you're essentially saying is that this is the subconscious narrative is there are only two ways there's only two possible ways it's this one or it's that one and that is our own Adoption, Like we are the ones who adopt that mindset and we are the ones who continue to reinforce it. That's right. So here's your step-by-step. Here's how I want you to kind of combat this. First of all, I want you to name that tendency. Like what would you call it for yourself? Like give it, give it a moniker. So for me, it is for sure all or nothing. We have always said that about me. Like you yep. are such an all or nothing girl, right? <laughs> so now I'm kind of like, okay, I'm recovering from that all or nothing. <laughs> I am exploring what's in between all or nothing. If it's, I've always been very black and white, maybe that's what you call it. But what I need you to do is have a name for that behavior so that when you're in the middle of that spiral, that stress spiral, that you can go, oh my God, I'm in the black and white. Oh my God, I'm in the all or nothing. And you have a name for it. Yeah. And you can call it something. Kind of like you name your inner shit talker. That's right. Gremlin, right. That's right. Like you've had tons of names for your, your gremlins and it's been so much easier for you to go, oh my gosh, that's who's talking right yeah. now. Because you've assigned a name to it and we've created more awareness around that particular entity. So it's the same is true for any type of behavior. So if you have this sort of pattern that you can notice, give it a name. For me, it's all or nothing. So the second step is then to start noticing when you are in that all or nothing place. And I'll clue you in that there's oftentimes angst, stress, or some other sort of uncomfortable emotion around that 
behavior. Yeah. Because when you're holding on so tightly to how something has to be happening, it's either frustration that you don't have enough time, like you're angry and irritable because mm-hmm. you feel like you don't have enough time to do it exactly how it needs to be done. Or you're irritated with other people because they're getting in your way. Or in a workplace environment, you're super pissed because they're not doing it right. So oftentimes there's that emotion that's uncomfortable that you can kind of go, wait a minute, am I in an all or nothing place? Am I in a black and white place? Am I going into my... And you could make it a metaphor or relate it to, you know, a cartoon character who exemplifies all or nothing. Like you can be fun with it. Just... Do something so that you can easily identify it and call yourself call out. It out, yeah. So that's the second step is to start noticing. And you might also have to do what I call the do-over where maybe the next day you realize, holy shit, I was holding on so tightly to that project at work and ended up staying at the office till all hours of the night because of how I felt something had to be done, when in reality, I could have delegated this part, I could have outsourced this, we could have postponed this whole thing for one more month. Like there's so many ways I could have made my job easier, but I held so tightly onto the how that I made it all or nothing. Okay, in retrospect, I see where I tend to be triggered. And so then you kind of declare the do-over. It's another piece of the awareness where you go, okay, next time I have a project like that, I'm going to be way more acutely aware that I can go into that pattern. So sometimes you have to call it out later. You don't always catch it right in the moment because it's your go-to. It's how you typically respond. It's how you've responded probably for decades. Yeah. Because a lot of times it's instilled in us as young children. So for instance, when I meet with clients or students now in their adulthood, 30s, 40s, and 50s, who are overachievers or perfectionists, they were also that child, typically. They got all the awards and played all the sports and did all of the things. Yeah. So it be compassionate with yourself that it's going to take some time to catch yourself and reroute that patterning. What is it about a perfectionist that actually is... Like, what's the goal of a perfection? What What's the, like... The reward? Yeah. The payoff? Well, the payoff is typically <clears throat> that you have accomplished. So we talk a lot... We talk. I talk a lot about this as it relates to worthiness and the chase for enoughness. So what happens is that you set up this goal that's usually incredibly challenging to achieve. You kill yourself to achieve it. And then you get some sort of reward, whether it's accolades or honors from parents, family, your bosses. And so you have this momentary rush, this momentary high where you go, yeah, hell yeah, but it's very short lived. And then you go, what's next? That That's not enough anymore. Now I need to create something else. Now what else can I do? Because a lot of times you created your identity as that person. I achieve. I accomplish. So if you don't, it's also a threat to your worthiness. But it, it, don't you still have to feed that somehow? How, how does one still get the rush without going through all of that angst and 
You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Good question. So the, the deal is, is to start letting go of the stuff that really doesn't matter. It's in the the how you get there. So for instance, a successful having a successful party at our house doesn't mean that I need to print out from scratch all of these graphic designs that I've made to stick into the cupcakes and do that on I could still have somebody cater in cupcakes and it could be just as amazing of a party. Yeah. And I have just as rich of an experience. You still get the reward. You still get the reward without the suffering. Got it. And then there's a whole nother realm where we feel like we have to suffer in order to accomplish. And that I'm not even going to touch on right now because that's a much deeper level. Okay. That's a lot more about belief systems. But yeah, so it's it's kind of what we talked about a few weeks ago about complacency and if I accept myself then I'm all of a sudden going to be complacent and it's like no no no. you can accept yourself and still go for goals just the journey is more enjoyable okay that makes sense so same thing here you can still have the amazing party you can still accomplish all of these awesome things but what can you let go of that you are attached to in the how it has to be done got it okay because most likely there's something you can relinquish. So the things that I look for in those instances are, is there something I can postpone? Like, does it have to be right now? Right now. Mm -hmm. Is there something you can postpone? Is there something you can delegate, give to somebody else? Or is there something you can eliminate altogether? So for instance, if we're taking that same, it has, this party has to look a specific way. It could be I scratch one whole game altogether, or we're not even going to do games. Maybe we scratch games altogether and we eliminate it, or we play games that are just that you can use your iPhone instead of feeling like I have to create all this stuff. Make a board. And- Make boards and yeah, 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 <laughs> and decor and all of that. Or maybe it's what what's been really helpful for me lately in my business is outsourcing things instead of feeling like I need to do them all myself and finding really equipped, talented people to do them. In my personal life, it's been more like when when can I buy something instead of make it? Because my crutch is I can make that, I can make that, I can make that, and then I'm the one making the goddamn board in the middle of the night for the party the next day. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It's there's another way to accomplish the same goal with less stress. Got it. All right. So then after you have, you've named that that tendency, you've noticed when you're in that place, in that tendency, in that behavior, then you want to ask yourself a couple of questions. First of all, what am I making up are my only options? What am I making up? Usually you're saying it either has to be like this or it's nothing. I either work out five days a week for an hour each time or I am totally sedentary. Like, it's just not worth it if it can't be flawless, right? So I want you to look at what are you making up. Usually there's two very specific options. And then I want you to think about if I choose to hold on tightly, like for instance, in my my world, I call it the all or nothing, as I mentioned. So if I choose all, what else am I choosing? Because you're also choosing a bunch of stuff that is implicated by that. 
particular choice. Yeah. So it also means I'm probably choosing no sleep. I'm probably choosing stress. I'm probably choosing crankiness. And I'm choosing for that game to have that very specific board painted exactly how I want it. Mm-hmm. Is that worth the other things that I'm choosing as well? The other things that you'll miss by doing those. Right. Maybe be too tired at the party or... Uh, right. You, know, you just don't like even that. enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Or if I choose the nothing, like if we're saying we just have these two, if I choose nothing, what else am I choosing? You're probably choosing to be really disappointed in yourself, having to let something be not as perfect. But what else? Like not much else. Oftentimes, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, if it's something like the fitness analogy where you say, if I choose all, I'm choosing to work out five days a week, an hour each time, and I'm also choosing that if I don't do it, I'm going to beat myself up like crazy. I'm choosing to a lot of stress on my body. Whatever. You, you can identify it. If I choose nothing, I'm doing nothing for my body. I'm not moving at all. I'm also choosing no health. So that begs the question, the next question, what is another option? So if you like the black and white, like I'm so black and white, this is where you go, what's the gray option? What's the pink option? What's the mm-hmm. chartreuse option? Chartreuse. What are all the other options besides black and white? So for instance, maybe you can't get five workouts in with your trainer that week, but what if you chose to take the stairs every day at work instead of the elevator? In our minds, if you're under this mentality, you go, that's not even worth it. So then the next step, the final step, is to combat that all or nothing naysayer in your head and say, something is better than nothing. I choose Mm -hmm. that something is better than nothing. So finally, you actually have to make that choice. Choose wisely. Am I going to choose all? Am I going to choose nothing? Am I going to create a new option in between? And then using your self-talk to say, to encourage yourself with with whatever choice that is. The 50 shades of gray? That's right. There's at least 50. (laughs) (laughs) We know that. Right. Um, But yeah, I think that what happens a lot of times is we say, like, if it can't look flawless like this, why even do it? And when you go into this line of questioning, you realize that why even do it or nothing at all a lot of times is so bad for you, you know, to never work out or to eat horribly instead of just a little bit okay, right? So you have to start looking at that and figuring out what is the middle ground. Go to those extremes, yeah. It's such an extreme mentality. Right. And for me in the in the whole fitness realm, I, it was kind of forced on me because of injury. And I kind of had to go, okay, I can't do the quote way it's supposed to be, the way the workouts are supposed to be. And I, it was like my, my body was forcing me to find a different way, a yeah. middle ground. Because that was, that was so hard for me. I was like, if I can't do it all out, then I'm, why even do it? And then I started looking at it and going, no, something is better than nothing. 
it doesn't have to look a specific way. I cannot tell you how many times my coach was like, I feel like you're really attached to what that looks like. And I'm like, yes, I am. I am attached to it. You're right. She's like, what if it could be different? And I'm like, then it's not perfect. (laughs) So please know, I am sharing this with you as someone who struggles very much with this. Mm -hmm. And that I've had to continue to tell myself something is better than nothing. It's not just two options. It's not just extremes. The confession of a joy junkie. <laughs> and you, you also <laughs> have to know that it will ebb and flow. Like there's times when I hold on really tightly to how something has to be done. And I know I'm doing it and I still choose to do it. Right? Like mm. a, a lot of times it happens for me with web design and how something needs to look on my website. And I'm I'm going to take so much time and hold on so tightly to this when everybody else is like, just give me the information. It doesn't need to be the perfect font and design and all that, right? right? Nobody else cares. I care. I I think it does provide, um, when people look at it, they go, this is a professional. This is someone who cares. Right. Right? And I think that's what perfectionists are trying to get past is, the perception of what it looks like if it's not done to the fullest. Right. Right. And most of the time, though, like I said, that is an extreme. So the things that I am spending so much time on. Other people won't even notice. They would never notice. Right. That's that's true. And so that's what I'm talking about. Like this border's still black right at the edge right here. Right. Nobody's going to see that. Right. Or this font is one point different than that other font up there. Right, right. Like that stuff drives me nuts. And that's the stuff that I've had to go, Amy, in the grand scheme of your life, that makes no fucking difference. (laughs) That's true. Right now, holding on to that is costing you time to do other stuff your health, your mental bandwidth. So that's where you check in. You have to check in on each thing that you're making do or die or the thing that you're making so incredibly imperative that it has to be done this way. Yeah. And then you make little concessions and you watch how nothing falls apart. And then you go, (laughs) oh. Oh. Yeah. The world didn't end. Yeah, the world didn't end. I've done that before with like how my makeup has to look. And then oh, what if I just don't do it like that? Don't stress out. Okay. Guess what didn't happen? Hell didn't freeze over. You know. Didn't blow up. Nothing happened. Yeah. So anyway, I hope that this is helpful for you. Again, naming that tendency. Notice when you're in it. Asking yourself those questions. What am I making up about my options? And what if there's another option? Like what is another thing that I haven't looked at? in the middle of these two extremes and then really choosing wisely and remembering that something is better than nothing. I love it. I love it. Cool. So if you guys are interested, again, in the self-love revolution, I think especially perfectionists or with that perfectionism tendency, we we deal with that a lot in the self-love revolution because we make up that we have to look and be and do and check off all these boxes in order to be valuable or in order to really love who we are. So we really change that considerably and and rewrite that whole patterning. So if you want more information on that, you can go to thejoyjunkie.com slash 189 and I'll throw a link in there to the self-love revolution and we would love to have you. But get in while it's early bird and while we still have positions left because we might not have 
those spots for Evs. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to add? I don't think so. All right, no, I cool. Think I'm good. Well, we will see you around these parks next week. Here's to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, out. Oh,